Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Titus chapter 2 contains a wonderful verse. Verse 13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Who is it that's looking forward to this great and glorious event, the coming again of our Lord Jesus Christ? Well, it's believers, of course, Christians, those who have placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. But what about you? Are you a believer in Christ? Have you thought about his return today? It's a blessed prospect. We know that it could happen at any time. Of course, it can't be called a blessed hope for those who have rejected Christ. In fact, it's quite the opposite. All hope of ever being saved is gone forever for those who are not Christians. In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. Gary Sharp starts by reading from the book of Titus and discusses the prospect of Christ's return, the problem of sin, the passion of Christ, and the purpose of God in sending Christ to save sinners. We trust that today's message will give you a fresh reminder of the Lord's coming and that you will seriously consider your soul in view of it. Are you ready? Or if you're a Christian, How's it going? Are you living as Paul instructs us in the book of Titus, soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world? Titus 2 and verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us, that he might buy us back, that he might buy us for himself from all iniquity and purify unto himself, a peculiar people, a special people for himself, zealous of good works. Trust that God will bless what we've read from his precious word this evening. There's a number of things in this passage that are pretty special. And there's something here right on the very surface that I want to draw your attention to because my heart is drawn to it. And the very first thing I see in this passage that I'd like to comment on a little bit is this, the prospect that thrills me. The prospect that thrills me. But oh, my friend, I want you to know, there is that in this prospect that thrills my heart and stirs my soul. Jesus is going to come back again. We're looking for that blessed hope and the appearing in glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The prospect that thrills the soul of every believer. We're looking 
for that blessed hope. You know, this is a passage that urges consistent God-honoring lives upon God's people. And he reminds them of the blessed message and the truth of this, that Jesus is coming. But at the same time, he warns them. He warns them about a world that's gone wrong. A world that's gone contrary to the character of God and the purposes of God and the ways of God. And he says, here's this truth, and the grace of God has appeared. This grace of God that brings salvation to all men has appeared. And it teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. You know, there are appetites in this world that people strive to satisfy every single day. And they come under the condemnation of God. Worldly lusts. Strong desire, longings after that, which only condemns them. Verse 13 speaks of the blessed hope. Ah, that's for me. Jesus is coming again. And that blessed hope that's before us reminds us that not everyone's going to share it. When the Lord Jesus comes, it may well be that the devastating horror that follows it will be your portion instead. It speaks about a glorious appearing. And yet, my friend, there are those who are in incomparable peril of losing all hope, all well-being forever. But oh, the blessed hope. Jesus is coming again. You know, there are those here today and they share this self-same hope. They're saved like I am. And they're looking for the Lord Jesus. And they're longing to see His face. And there's just one little thing that sometimes dilutes the pleasure that they find in the thought that Jesus could come at any moment, at any time, and take them into His presence. And you know what it is? Maybe you don't. It's the welfare of your soul. I know you're not ready. I know if the Lord Jesus came today, there'd be one tremendous separation that would take place. I worked in Hamilton one summer a number of years ago when I was 18. I was the skinniest I ever was in my life because I was working down in a, in a hold of a ship and we were unloading stuff and bringing stuff out so the equipment could get a hold of it and take it out of the hold. It was hot and it was dirty and it was work. And then I graduated. I got the job of signalman for the crane. It was unloading all that stuff and other people had to drag it out. And I got to direct that crane down into the hold to pick up that product and bring it out. And one of the products I hated most was iron ingots. 50 to 80 pounds, rough. And we always unloaded them with an electric magnet. And I remember watching many times, sometimes from in the hold and later on above it, as that magnet would be dropped into the hold over top of that product that we were going to take out. And I'd give the signal for the juice to go on. And that magnet would draw from that hold those ingots without any apparent effort. But I want to tell you, friend, there was a lot of stuff that never moved. Pieces of wood, glass bottles and papers. They never moved at all. They never answered the magnet's call. And when the Lord Jesus calls, I want you to know, my soul that's thrilled at the prospect of it now is going to respond to His voice. He'll give the great shout, and in a moment I'll be with Him, forever with the Lord. The prospect that thrills me, the blessed hope. But I want you to think of the problem the problem that troubles us. It talks about it here in verse 14. It uses the word iniquity, the word anomen. No law. The kind of attitude that says no to God. God has set certain standards, but we will not be controlled. We will not obey. We will not do what the Lord says. We'll just throw aside God's way and take our own. 
No wonder the Bible says, All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned every one to our own way. No law. Won't listen to God. God has spoken and speaks still, but oh, how the disposition and the deeds of mankind show how little he understands, how little he grasps the righteousness, the holiness of God, and how little he understands that every one of us shall give account of himself to God. The problem is the problem of sin. And friend, if sins are still charged to your account, you'll never be in heaven. And you're not ready for the call. And the call could come at any moment. I trust I've lived with nothing to regret. I trust I've preached as God would have me preach. When he calls, I'm going. And I'm going to see his face. But make no mistake, my friend. That problem that troubles us, it troubles all. I young Christians have to deal with the problem of sin. Christians still look at the stuff around them in the world. Christians still need to be counseled to live this kind of a God-honoring life until the Lord Jesus comes. But friend, that problem that troubles you tonight, if you're still in your sin, will keep you out of heaven. And I wouldn't want to be where you're going because it's forever. I want you to think thirdly of the passion, the passion that teaches us. It says that the grace of God appeared. The grace of God appeared. In chapter 3 and verse 4, it talks about the kindness and love of God, our Savior, has appeared. Ah, God considered man's need, and God was moved towards him in love. His kindness, His love, His grace unmerited has been revealed. His love was channeled towards us. He made no distinction between the worst of sinners and the best, as they might view themselves. He loved us all freely. And He revealed that love. You might well ask, how did the grace of God appear? How was that grace of God that brings salvation? How was that revealed? It was revealed in a person. It was revealed in God's Son. It was revealed in the One that He sent. I look at those words in John's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 14, and it says, The Word dwelt amongst us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God revealed His wondrous grace to us in a person who understood our need, in a person who was willing to come right down where we were, in a person who revealed the very heart of God. If we were to read in verse 18 of chapter 1 of the book of John, we would read the only begotten Son he has declared him. He's led him out into full view. He has made him known. And do you want to understand tonight that God loves you? Look at the Savior. Look at the one that God provided. Look at the one that was sent from above. Oh, the wonders of it all. See him coming from above to atone and die for thee. Take it in tonight. God has revealed His love towards you through the one who came from His side, who knew Him, and who revealed Him here in this world. You know, it tells us in this passage that salvation needed to be brought. Oh, friends, salvation comes from above, and the Savior has brought it. He's brought it down to man. He's brought it down within reach. I think of the leper that the Lord Jesus saw one day, and He was so pitiful. And it comes to the Lord Jesus. And all few would turn their eyes towards Him with care. 
But the Lord Jesus that he came to heard the leper say, Lord, if thou wilt, you can make me whole. And the Lord Jesus, without hesitation, reaches out and touches a leper. And he says, I will. And that same desire, that same longing that he revealed towards that pitiful leper is the self-same kind of care he has for your soul tonight. All the way from heaven he came and all the way down to a cross of shame. God has revealed his love. Oh, the passion of the Lord Jesus and what it teaches us. Passion is the idea of strong feeling. Friend, nobody ever felt towards you like him. Passion is the idea of suffering excruciatingly at times. Look to the Savior on Calvary's tree. Hear him say, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He has revealed the love of God to you. For God so loved the world. How did he display that love? That he gave as a sacrifice. He gave his only begotten son at whosoever. Ah, friend, you can get in on it tonight. Such is the passion that teaches us of the grace of God and the kindness and love of God our Savior. That God gave his only son. God sent him. I want you to think about the purpose that includes us. You know, it tells us in verse 14 that it didn't just have to do with the penalty of sin that the Savior came, but to conquer forever the dominion of sin. A wonderful sin that controls us, sin that shackles and binds us, sin that defiles us. Oh, to be free from that awful thing. And He's freed us forever. Wonderful to know sin's forgiven. You know what it is to be able to say? You can look up into a clear sky and say there's absolutely nothing between God and me. No sin. No condemnation. No guilt. It's gone, forever gone. Because Jesus paid it all. But all the purposes of God are revealed here in verse 14. It says to purify. To purify unto Himself. You know, friend, if you don't understand that you need to be cleansed, then you're missing it. Sin has defiled us. God uses the picture of a leper over and over again to describe how wretched the sinner is, how defiled, how sick, even from the sole of the foot to the crown of the head. There's no soundness in it. Oh, how God sees us. So defiled because of our sin. He says this is the purpose of God, that we might be purified, cleansed, forgiven. Not only that, Notice that he might have a people for himself. Friend, this is the simple truth. God wants you for himself. Ah, I can hardly take it in to think he wanted me for himself. You say, how do you know? And how can it be? Notice the price that redeems us. The price that redeems us, what does it say? It says he gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, a people for himself. What a price. He gave himself for us. Ever had set your heart on something? And then you found it the price? Ooh. You back up and you think, my, I don't know. You go away and you think about it and finally decide, you know, it's really worth it. I really wanted it. It really has to be mine. And 
I'll pay the price. You see, after a while you think it's worth it. I don't know what the Lord Jesus ever found in me to think that it was worth it to go to a cross of shame and die for me. Supposing that thing that you wanted that you set your heart on was going to cost you everything. Supposing it would cost you anguish and pain, suffering, abandonment. Supposing you'd have to give your own life's blood for it. Would you still be as keen? Would you still be as interested? He paid the price. He gave himself. If you had all power and all authority, would you stoop to someone in such dire need as I? Maybe you wouldn't, friend. But I have a friend that's closer than a brother. I have one who came from heaven because he saw my need and understood it. I have one who was willing to go all the way, pay all the price to redeem me for his very own. And that's why when he calls, I'm going. Tiernus Wilson told the story how when he was over in Angola, he was visiting in a village and he was speaking to some of the folks from that native village. And he noticed across from him there was a man who had a very cruel-looking face. And at his feet there was a boy, and he knew he was a slave. And every time the man moved his hand, the boy cringed and crouched and tried to get away. And T. Ernest Wilson, the missionary, realized that that slave was a slave to the cruelest of masters. And afterwards, he bargained to buy that slave. And he finally paid a price for that slave so that he could set him free. And when that slave understood that T. Ernest Wilson had purchased him, he came to him, bowing down before him, and told him he would serve him. But T. Ernest said, that's not why I bought you. He said, I bought you to set you free. Oh, no, 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 no. No, T. Ernest Wilson said. You don't understand. The reason I paid that price... The reason I bought you was not so you could serve me. The reason I bought you was to set you free. And wonder filled the mind and heart of that slave who had never known much of human kindness to think that someone would care enough for him to do all that. Could I take you to Calvary for a moment? Could we stand there as we've been hearing in the presence of God? Could you hear the cry of the Lord Jesus? My God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? Listen to these words prophetically spoken. I am the man, he says, that is seen afflicted by the rod of his wrath. Is it nothing to you? All ye that pass by, behold and see if there be any sorrow. Like unto my sorrow which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me. In the day of his fierce anger. That's what it cost him. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment so that we could have peace, it all fell on him. The price that redeems us is the precious blood of Christ. Friend, whatever you do tonight, will you not understand that Jesus paid it all? And that's why a sinner like me can say, I'm ready, because he died for me. He paid it all. And now this guilty sinner is free. Friend, throw yourself down at his feet. You can't afford to wait until it's too late. If you miss it, you miss it forever. And the Savior's calling you now.
Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And you can have that rest this very night. May God grant it for the glory and honor of our Lord Jesus. Well, are you ready? Is the prospect of the Lord's return a blessed one for you? Well, it can be. Get a Bible today and read the four Gospels and ask yourself the question, why did Christ have to die and who did he die for? And trust in the one who gave himself so that sinners could be saved eternally. Do that today, won't you? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message, and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.